For the scripture reading this morning, we'll be reading James 1, 19 through 27. My dear brother, uh, brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that has so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the world, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting that, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today in this uh, just a glorious morning that we can come and celebrate. And Lord, I, I just pray that our worship is pleasing to you. Lord, you know each one of our hearts, you know what's going on, and, and we just pray that your, your word just speaks to each one of us and that we can apply it to our lives. And Lord, we know that the, each of us have prayer needs and, and we also have answers to prayer, but Lord, we just uh, give you our needs right now and just put them at your feet. Lord, I also just want to pray for the Corliss family and just pray that your loving arms just hold them tight and, and uh, we just thank you that Ken's with you and, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing when a, a Christian goes to heaven. And Lord, we just pray that you just comfort the hearts of us that are here. And Lord, more than anything else today, uh, let you be glorified. In this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so James chapter 1, and there's a book called Amazing Grace, and there's a, the lady that, she's more of a poet, and you know that I'm not much of a, a poetry person, but has a good story in there, and she talks about the scariest story she ever heard about the Bible, and they were visiting a man named Arlo, um, and he was kind of a self-made man that had terminal cancer. And during their visit, this Arlo man started talking about his grandfather, who was a very sincere and devout Christian. And he says that his grandfather had given him a wedding present, which was a very expensive leather Bible, had their names in gold lettering on the cover. And he said that they took this Bible as a wedding present, and they left it in the box, and they never opened it. And he said, for months after our wedding, he said, my grandfather kept asking me about the Bible. And he said, do, he kept asking, do you like the Bible? 
all sorts of questions about it. And they said, yeah, it was a nice gift. We thank you for the Bible. We sent him a thank you note. But he said, we never opened it. So as he, years go by, and his grandfather keeps asking him about the Bible. And so finally he says, okay, I'm just going to open the thing up. And he said, the joke was on me. Because he said, when I took that Bible out of the closet, out of storage, after all these years, he said, my grandfather had finally passed away. And he said, I found that my granddad had placed a $20 bill in the first cover of it. And he'd put money after each chapter, or after each book of the Bible. And he said it came to over $2,000. And he goes, all these years, we never opened the Bible. And he said, uh, a tragic thing in his life. But you know, I think that describes a lot of people. Because if you think about it, we all own Bibles. We probably have several of them. But a lot of times we never open it to share what the treasure is that it contains. So how many have their Bibles open to James 1, or you have your Bible app or, or whatever? And we'll have a few of the verses up here, but it's, it's sometimes good to have it on your own too. But if we look at verse 21, it says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So in this context, God's word can save you from giving up and giving into the temptation in the midst of your trials. Now, James is not talking about an eternal salvation. He's addressing, if you went back to verse 19, he's addressing brothers. He's addressing people that have, have already accepted Christ. It's people who are already in the family of God. James here is talking about deliverance from despair and disobedience when life gets hard. We see that in verse 18, if you go back to that, it causes us to come to know Christ. Verse 21, we see that the Word of God helps keep us from sin when we're going through trials. So if you want to pass the tests of life, and you want to come out on your trials a better person, then you've got to receive the Word. Go turn this on. Go ahead and turn to the next one. Receive the Word. <clears throat> We've got to welcome God's Word into our life. We've got to accept God's message to you. And it means more than just owning a Bible. I mean, probably all of us own a Bible. We own two or three. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to give you a Bible. We have lots of Bibles. But I think instead of just owning it, it means at the very least, open it up and just read it every now and then. Hopefully you can develop a daily habit of getting into God's Word so that it can rescue you from disobedience and despair in the midst of your trials. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you've got to receive the word that God has for us. But even more than just reading it, do it. Do what the word says. Put God's word into practice. With God's help, seek to live it out. Make it part of your life. James 
It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, there are some people that have read the Bible. They've reread the Bible. They know the Bible forwards and backwards. They've heard hundreds, if not thousands, of sermons. How many of you think you've heard more than a thousand sermons? Wow. I'm trying to think how many I've preached over the years, but we won't get into that either. Um, and they might have even taught a Bible class or two. But a lot of times people think that they're to the point where they'll never fall into sin. But if we're not doing what we've heard or read or been taught, we're just deceiving ourselves. We've got to be doing what the Word of God says. Not just hearing it. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Heimlich Maneuver? I've always wondered if we ever have to use that at a communion service sometime, but we never have yet. But a little history on the Heimlich is uh, you grab a choking victim from behind, you thrust them a couple times and knock the wind out of them basically, and whatever they have they're choking on spews out of their mouth. Well, since 1974, it's been taught in schools, it's been uh, portrayed in movies, displayed on restaurant posters, it's been endorsed by all the medical authorities. In fact, the Heimlich Maneuver has been credited with saving more than 100,000 lives since it's been first introduced in 1974. So it's named after Dr. Henry Heimlich, who was a surgeon. Now, how many knew that? How many care? <laughs> but he invented this maneuver and he spent decades teaching this life-saving technique to all who were willing to learn it. But he never used it himself in an emergency situation until May 23, 2016. Seven months before he died. He died at the age of 96. But what happened was there's an 87-year-old woman who was choking at the senior residence where they were at in, in Cincinnati. And he realized what was happening to her. And so he performed his maneuver on her for the first time in an emergency. Her name was Patty Riss. And she was at his table when she began choking on a hamburger. And here's what she says. The next thing I know, I could not breathe. I was choking so hard. And that's when Dr. Heimlich did his thing and a piece of meat with a little bone flew out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm just getting ready for lunch. <laughs> so he finally got to practice what he had preached all of those years. You see, it's not just enough just to hear the Word of God and to know it and talk about it. We got to put it into practice for it to be any good. The next thing, as we rejoice, we need to reflect on the Word. Look in the mirror of God's Word. Let the Bible reveal your flaws. In verses 21 and 22, James makes his point do the Word. And then in verses 23 and 24, 
What does he say there? He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Only a man's going to do that. I mean, you think about this. We go to the mirror and went, eh, good enough. And we walk away. We don't worry about it. A woman, on the other hand, never told me to use this illustration, but but a woman will look at the mirror and they'll see one little hair out of place, and they have to stop and fix it before they move on. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's really what God wants us to do as we treat His Word. The verse 25 of James 1 says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the blessing of freedom from sin comes from doing the Word of God. The blessing of real growth in your trials comes from putting God's Word into practice, not just seeing it and forgetting about it. There was a group of friends. They were 30-year-olds, and they got together for a reunion. And they were discussing where they should go for dinner. And somebody suggested, let's meet at the Glowing Embers restaurant because the waitstaff there is young and beautiful. So they all agreed. Well, 15 years later, they were now 45, they get ready for another reunion and they again discuss where they're going to meet. And somebody says, let's go to the Glowing Embers restaurant because the food's really good there. They all agreed. Well, 15 years later, they're now in their 60s. They discuss again where they're going to meet for their reunion, and somebody suggests, let's go to the Glowing Embers restaurant because you can eat there in peace and it's kind of quiet. So they all agree. Well, 15 years later, they're now 75. They discuss again where they should meet. And somebody suggests, let's meet at the Glowing Embers restaurant because it's handicap accessible and they even have an elevator. Well, 15 years later, they're now in their 90s. That same group of friends discusses where they should meet for, for dinner and somebody suggests that they should meet at the Glowing Embers restaurant because they've never been there before. And they all agree. <laughs> you see, we can, uh, we can understand people in their 90s forgetting some things, but there's no excuse for us forgetting the Word of God. So don't look at the Word of God and forget what you see. Instead, look at the Word of God and look at it as, what do I need in my life that needs fixing? Depend on God's Spirit to make things right. 
rely on God's Spirit to help us correct what needs correcting. It's really the only way to pass the test of life. Receive the Word, reflect on the Word, fix it. And now, we see James gets really practical in the next two verses. Specifically, if you're going to do the Word of God, you've got to practice true religion. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. This gets kind of a little more down home now. If you want to be truly religious, according to James, bridle your tongue, control your words. Don't say you're doing the word if you don't control the words that come out of your mouth. Don't say you're religious if you are reckless with your, with your tongue. That's kind of convicting. But James is exactly right. So here's one of, your, one of your thoughts. One thing that I'd like us all to try. Let's try and go 24 hours without saying anything unkind. And that's not in hour increments like for the next 24 days you'll do one hour a day uh, or when you're sleeping. But you know what? If you have a problem with that, recognize that problem. Ask God to help you control your words. The second thing that we see in this passage is to do God's word specifically means that we need to care for the widows. Look, look over the misfortunate, those who can't return a favor. Look at the first part of James 1.27, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That's kind of interesting. Growing through your own affliction comes when you connect with others in their affliction. Throughout the Bible, you see the concern for widows and orphans. They have a special place in God's heart. And so it makes sense that he wants people to care for them. I got, a, I got a lot of stories this morning. And I don't know if you've heard of Wayne Cadero, but he's written a book called Jesus Pure and Simple. But he talks about a man named Doug Nichols who was doing mission work in India back in 1967. And while he was there, he con contracted tuberculosis. And as a result, he's committed to this sanitarium for several months where he finds himself in a really lonely place, a very confusing place, a very troubled place because he doesn't know any of the language of the other patients there. But this, this man was a Christian and he's a missionary and he wants to share the, the gospel of Christ with them. And all he has in this sanitarium is some gospel tracts in the people's language. He tries to pass them out. Of course, he can't communicate with them because he doesn't know the language. And nobody's taking these tracts. Nobody wants them. And one night, it's about 2 a.m., having tuberculosis, he starts a coughing spell. And he's coughing like crazy. And he was a very violent 
coughing, and he can't catch his breath. But as he's coughing, he notices a man who is very emaciated, trying to get out of bed. He's so weak that he can't stand up. And the man begins to whimper. In the morning, Doug, this missionary, realizes that the man was trying to get up so that he could use the restroom. He says, we all knew that because the smell was horrible. And he said the other patients were really angry at the old man for not being able to contain himself. But he couldn't, he was so weak, he couldn't, he couldn't walk. And the nurse cleaned him up and then slapped him because she was so mad at him. Well, the next night, Doug sees this, this old man again trying to get out of bed. But this time, Doug gets out and picks the man up, takes him over to the restroom, which was just a hole in the floor, and then brings him back to his bed. The old man kisses Doug on the cheek. They go to sleep. The next morning, Doug wakes up, and there's a cup of hot tea right by his table. Another patient who was watching all of this saw what was going on. And then that patient motioned for Doug saying, I would like one of those tracks. And pretty soon, one by one, these patients in this sanatorium all wanted gospel tracks because they saw what this Doug had done for this old man. You see, in his affliction, Doug cared for the other people in their affliction and it had a profound effect. People began to see that his relationship, his religion was real. And they wanted that too. People should see the way we live our lives and that should make them attractive to what Christ has for us. So think of the impact that we could all have if we put God's word into practice every day. So to do God's word, it means we've got to control our words, care for the widows. And the third thing it means is we've got to stay clean from the world. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You can only make a difference in the world if you're different than the world. One more story. There's a book called Glorious Mess. And the man talks about the time he and his friends decided to play mud football. There had been a huge downpour of rain and he and his neighborhood buddies discovered there was this gully that was just filled with two inches of standing water and they decided it's a perfect place to play football. And he said every tackle would send them sliding for yards. He said the ball was like a greased pig. There were fumbles all over the place. Lots of gang tackles and laughter. And, and this man says he remembers tackling one of his friends and watching him skim across the the grass, the water for something he said like miles, it seemed like. And the man thought, I might be in heaven. 
But then when his friend got up, they noticed something was stuck on the man's shoulder. And they all kind of peered at him, kind of looking at it, what in the world is that? And to set this up, that gully that they were playing in was a huge concrete sewage runoff drain. And it had gotten backed up. They didn't pay attention much of this while they were playing until this something landed on this guy's shoulder. And so as they looked, they realized it was toilet paper and stuff. (laughs) And then in that same instant, they all kind of looked and said, you know, it really doesn't smell like it's probably supposed to smell like mud. And then all of a sudden, one of them yelled, poop water. (laughs) And they all went to their own homes to shower off. Now you're wondering how we're going to do this in, right? There's too many people in the world today that are playing in the world's sewage. They're pursuing happiness instead of pursuing holiness. They're seeking to build their own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. And they're stained with a lot of self-ambition instead of selfless service. And they're thinking they're maybe having fun, but what they don't realize is they're rolling around in sewage. If that describes any of us, it's time that we run home and let the Lord clean us up. The Bible says in, in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't try to clean yourself up. Just confess your dirt to the Lord and let Him clean you up. And then live your life totally dependent upon Him. That's what true religion, that's what doing the Word is all about. It's dependence upon Christ, it's controlling our words, it's caring for the widows, and it's staying clean from the world. So receive the Word and do the Word. Practice it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for this passage in James, and a lot of it's pretty tough stuff. But Lord, I just pray that all of us can rely on you every single second of every day. And Lord, I just pray that if there's any of us here that that feel that we're just uh, living in the world sewage, I just pray right now we'll reach out to you and give you our lives. Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us, and Lord, you want to clean us up. And so, Lord, I just pray for a cleansing among all of us today. And I just pray as we go out of here that we will not just know the word, but we will live it and do it. And again, I thank you for this time together. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.